Codex Necrons, 3rd edition, pages 58 and 59, written by Graham McNeil, narrated by R.J. Bailey. The last of the ward seals disengaged with a pneumatic hiss, and the massive door swung ponderously open, its incredible mass balanced on a complex series of counterweights and suspensers. Tech adept Phineas Roche stepped back to avoid the door's swing and nervously clutched the data slate to his chest. The Praetorians either side of him moved forward, massive weapons trained on him, their dead-eyed stare unnerving to the young priest of the Omnissiah. Could the man he was to see truly be so dangerous that his jailers should need to take such precautions? An adept in a scarlet robe his face hidden behind a mass of cybernetic implants, stepped through the door, his hands laced before him. A mass of waving mechadendrites arced above his shoulders, swaying like hungry snakes. Phineas remembered the instructions given to him by his mentor, Archmagos Mordecai Holatus, and licked his suddenly dry mouth, cursing the weak organic matter for betraying him so. Phineas pictured the bloated mechanical form of the Archmagos, forever bound within his forge temple, his few remaining fleshy components fused with the arcane, life-sustaining machineries of the Omnissiah. One day, he too hoped to ascend the heights of mechanization achieved by his patron, feeling the beating heart of an entire planet around him, in tune with the subtle rhythms of the machine spirits, encircling the Martian temples. He bowed to the senior adept before him. I have come to question the heretic adept Cortiswain, announced Phineas, in what he hoped was a suitably reverent tone. I am told that he may have useful information regarding a number of recent incidents my master wishes explained. Phineas felt pleased at this masterful understatement regarding his purpose. The details of these incidents had triggered a memory in the vast repository of knowledge that served as the Archmagos's brain, and thus Phineas had been sent on this mysterious errand to question a man he had never heard of and whose history was unknown to him. Briefly, he wondered what heresies this man had espoused to warrant such incarceration. The adept nodded. There was no other reason to come to this place. He indicated that Phineas should follow him through the door, speaking in a rasping monotone from a throat that was no longer wholly organic. I am Adept Kerstabal, and you must follow these guidelines. Keep away from the energy field of the cell, and do not record anything the prisoner says, cautioned Kerstabal, holding out his hand to receive Phineas's data slate. With apparent reluctance, Phineas handed over his slate, knowing that the recording engrams implanted on his cerebral cortex would do a better job of recording this session than he ever could on his own. Phineas made to move past Kerstabal, but the mechadendrite slashed from his back, blocking his path. Cybernetic divination indicates that your cranium contains implants that are forbidden in this place. You must deactivate them before you enter. What? blustered Phineas. This is outrageous. 
I come with the authority of Archmagos Mordecai Holatus, bringer of the sacred light. That does not matter. All must follow the rules. Deactivate them now, or be on your way. Knowing that he had no choice, Phineas deactivated the engrams with a thought. Kerstabal nodded and pointed to an elaborately carved archway, its red stone carved with runes of spirit-binding and confinement. Nothing mechanical could be used within this space without Cortiswain's jailers knowing about it. Archmagos Holatus would not be pleased. Slowly, he advanced through the archway, feeling a warm electric sensation pass through his flesh as the machine spirits of his body communed with those of the cell complex. The light in this place was dim, the glow globes set to their minimum lux level. At the end of the passageway, he could see the shimmering glow of the energy field that prevented the heretic abbot from spreading his dogma to the masses. Phineas mustered his confidence and marched along the corridor, cut from the stone of Mars, and stood before Cortiswain's cell. He had not known what to expect when Archmagos Holatus had dispatched him on this errand, but knew that it was important that he learn as much as he could from this man. Nevertheless, Phineas was shocked by his shambolic appearance. The cell was shrouded in darkness and bare of clutter, yet Phineas could see the walls were scrawled with lines and circles, overlapping and intertwining in nonsensical patterns. He could not see the man clearly, hunched as he was in the darkest pool of shadow at the rear of the cell. The little light in the passageway illuminated patches of raw flesh encrusted with a mass of wheels and puckered skin. His hair was wild and unkempt, his manner that of a feral savage. You've seen it, haven't you? he screeched, never once turning his face towards Phineas. Seen it? repeated Phineas. Seen what? The one who lives beyond, the lord of insanity, he who dwells on the world within the world. It craves, it feeds. I do not understand. Who are you talking about? asked Phineas, trying to regain control of the conversation. You don't know? No, but perhaps you could tell me of it. Cortiswain laughed, a high-pitched braying noise. Be careful, young Edipt, I may just do that. But you may not thank me for enlightening you. Would you be willing to cast off the shackles of your false god to tear out those abominations against nature you so hanker for? The machine god exists, but it is a false god. Come to enslave us all. Phineas crossed his hands in the image of the divine machine, horrified at this heresy. How could a member, even a former member, of the Adeptus Mechanicus give voice to such blasphemy. He backed away from the cell, lacing his fingers behind him, and moved on to the reason for his visit. Adept Cortiswain, I have been instructed to question you on certain unusual occurrences, and have been led to believe that you may be able to shed some light on them. Occurrences? What sort of occurrences? Where? 
In the northeastern reaches of the Segmentum Solar, some 900 light-years below the galactic plane, several of our research outposts have been attacked, their priceless technology stolen, the few survivors raving and insane. The Skatari assigned to protect the bases apparently turn their weapons on one another in bizarre fits of madness. It is all very confusing, really. We are... Well, to be honest, we're not sure at all what's happening. Did you recover any bodies? Dead ones, I mean. Cortiswain's maniacal voice was calming now, the quest for knowledge focusing his scattered mind. Yes, several, though our genitors cannot explain the premature aging and wasting of their flesh. It is as though they were, for want of a better expression, drained of their life. Ah, yes, yes, I see it now. It has begun then. It took me to its world of madness, then tossed me back. I was unfit to see. I was tainted with our crude imitations of the machine god's image. I don't understand. No? Well, let me explain, my innocent young adept. I was part of an Adeptus Mechanicus team exploring a dead world out towards the eastern fringe called Kefelmex. We explored the depths of the world and found many wondrous things. But we were not alone there. Emissaries of the one who dwells beyond awaited and attacked us. I alone survived. But when I awoke, it was to find I had been transported beyond the Emperor's light. I beheld a scene of bedlam. Living engine obelisks of metal belching lightning in whipcord arcs. A horizon that stretched up and round to enclose a bloated red sun that seemed so close I could reach out and touch it. Like a malevolent crimson eye, the sun roared and seethed in its death throes. The machines, feeding on its luminescent energies like obscene mechanical parasites. Cortiswain shuddered at the memory, before continuing. Then... I beheld the master of this domain, and I knew in that moment that I was doomed. Not to die, you understand, but to truly appreciate the insignificance of my being. The machine god, you see, it's everywhere. It feeds on us. I saw my companions from Cathalmax fed to the machines, their bodies and souls reduced to their component atoms to feed the insatiable hunger of the machine god. Why I was cast back into this place, I do not know. Only that I was. And I knew then that everything we think we know is wrong. The machine god does not love us, nor does it want our worship. We are naught but playthings to it, and I would not be tainted by such evil. Cortiswain turned, shuffling awkwardly along the floor to the front of his cell and into the light. Phineas gasped in horror as the ruin of Cortiswain's frame was exposed. 
His body was hideously deformed where he had torn the blessings of the machine god from his flesh, and Phineas saw that the heretic's fingernails and teeth had been removed to prevent him from opening his veins. Cortiswain's legs ended in blackened stumps in mid-thigh, his chest a mass of poorly healed scar tissue where he had burned away yet more implants. As Cortiswain raised his face, Phineas recoiled from his horrific countenance. His eyes had been torn from their sockets, scarred gouges in his cheeks, telling Phineas that these wounds had also been self-inflicted. Had what Cortiswain seen been so terrible that he had been willing to endure the agony of such mutilation? Horrified, adept Phineas fled the chamber, the shrieking voice of Cortiswain following him down the passageway. It feeds, young adept! It feeds! screamed the heretic. If it has turned its attention our way once more, then we are not but food for the gods. Food for the gods! You have been listening to Codex Necrons, 3rd edition, pages 58 and 59 by Graham McNeil. Narrated by R.J. Bailey. This brings us to the end of our adaptations from Codex Necrons 3rd edition. I hope you'll stick around for the next Codex to be adapted into Oldex. Codex Imperial Guard, 3rd edition. If you've enjoyed this, please leave a review on iTunes, or like, share and subscribe on YouTube, depending how you're listening. A very big thank you to Graham McNeil, for helping attribute the right authors to their individual stories for this entire codex, and thank you for writing the fiction that I grew up with. This production, like all of Oldex, is entirely unofficial and uncommercial, from an out-of-print publication, is a derivative work, with all copyrights owned by Games Workshop, and is a celebration of the hobby and lore I grew up with. If you have suggestions for other old Codex fiction for me to narrate on this podcast, you can comment, contact me on Twitter at rjbailey, or email robertjbailey.com. If you have an old Codex you'd like to donate to me for this project, get in touch so we can discuss postage options. Links are in the show description. You can and should follow Graham McNeil on Twitter, at Graham McNeil, and you can find his website at grahammcneil.com.